Hey listeners, welcome to the Learn to Co with Me podcast. I'm your host, Laurence Bradford. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you that you can get the show notes for this episode and every other episode at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast player you listen on. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a review would be awesome too. Zojo is a development tool for creating native apps for desktop, mobile, web, and Raspberry Pi. Zojo offers lots of resources to help you get started learning modern programming. Learn to Code With Me listeners get 20% off with the coupon LEARN20. Try Zojo for free at zojo.com forward slash learn to code. Zojo is spelled like X-O-J-O. Fullstack Academy is a leading coding bootcamp that helps great people become great developers at top companies like Google and Facebook. Visit bootcampprep.io to get a $500 scholarship to Fullstack Academy's beginner coding course called Bootcamp Prep. In today's episode, I talk with Mark Price, a mobile app developer, top Udemy instructor, and now CEO of DevSlopes, a learn-to-code startup. We talk about how he got into tech and later mobile app development, what defines a successful app in today's world, and how he began teaching online and ultimately starting DevSlopes. If you enjoy this interview, you might want to check out DevSlopes. DevSlopes is Mark's learn-to-code startup, which you'll hear more about in the interview. At DevSlopes, you learn to code by building real-world apps and games. This means you can really retain what you've learned and build an impressive portfolio within weeks. If you want to check DevSlopes out, please consider using my special affiliate link. If you end up joining, I'll get a tiny commission for referring you, and this will go towards the cost of running Learn to Code with me. That special link is learntocodewith.me forward slash devslopes. And that's spelled like D-E-V-S-L-O-P-E-S. Thanks. Mark Price is a mobile app developer and entrepreneur who's built over 57 apps for iOS and Android. He's also the creator of a top-selling online iOS course on Udemy called iOS 11 and Swift 4, From Beginner to Paid Professional. You can check that out at learntocodewith.me forward slash Udemy iOS 11. That's all one word. Moreover, Mark is the CEO of the Learn to Code startup DevSlopes. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and chat about everything you're doing at Udemy and DevSlopes. It's all really exciting. But first, is there anything that you would like to add to that introduction before we get into the interview? No, that, sound, that sounds perfect. That's, that's right on, spot on. <laughs> okay, great. So I kind of want to go back in time a bit and hear about how you first got into tech. Yeah, so this is a, it's a really good question, and I, I relate this story a lot to my students, but uh, it was 2007. And, well, I mean, before that as a kid, I, I did games and messed around and fiddled, you know, like any kid does. But uh, really in 2007, I, I was a, a regional manager at a drug testing company, you know, but like, like not where we tested drugs. Like, no, it was like we were testing people for drugs. Like, you know, they would go to prison and if they wanted to get out, you know, and stay out, they had to, you know, pass these drug tests. And so we'd be like taking in 2000 people a day, sometimes filling out their names, their paperwork all on a piece of paper. 
Uh, and you know, I was going insane. Like I can't do this. And I didn't know anything about programming or tech or whatever, but I just, I couldn't stand this problem anymore. So, uh, one day I'm just like looking for solutions and I heard about this thing called Microsoft access. And so I'm okay. It's like a database UI thing. Oh, sure. Whatever. And so I went in and I didn't even know what coding was at the time. I, I was reading, you know, uh, visual basic for applications, this book, but I didn't even know it was a coding book. I just knew that's what you needed to do to, to get this thing to work. So my life could be easier. And what I ended up doing over the course of two months was building out this entire uh, system with uh, Visual Basic for Applications and Microsoft Access where people would come into the desk and they'd put a thumbprint down on a biometric reader. It would pull up their identity and then they would do a digital signature. And the, the process to signing someone in went from like like five minutes a person to like uh, 15 seconds. And then uh, it started all in the database and records. And we were able to give that to, you know, the, the courts and stuff like that. And uh, And then all of a sudden, once I had that out, other companies started wanting to pay me to build that same thing. And even then I didn't, I didn't even realize or claim that I was in tech. I just, uh, I just started doing it. So that's kind of how it all began. Wow. That's really cool. And what a big change from what you're doing today. And I have to ask, how did the word get out? It sounds like what you're doing was super niche. Um, yeah. How did the word spread about this? Yeah. So there's, you know, like any industry, like they, uh, uh, you know, people know each other and businesses know each other and, uh, and, and so, you know, as I built that app and, you know, other companies would come in and see our process because they're still all on paper too. They'd be like, oh my gosh, how'd you do this? And like, well, this guy built it. And my, you know, my bosses didn't know it was code or tech. And, and then, uh, so, you know, they would contact me my boss didn't care because he's not into that business. And so I would just, I would just contract out and build these same similar systems for, uh, for other companies. Uh, and it was just kind of uh, word of mouth is how, it, I guess, how it always works and networking, uh, even if I wasn't doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, of course, today you're teaching um, iOS, Android, also things related to uh, Unity 3D games. When did that start to happen? When did you get more into the mobile app development? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when they when uh, the uh, iPhone came out, uh, you know, like a few months later, a year later, I can't remember. You know, they they uh, you know they opened up the App Store. In fact, some people were cracking apps with their secret. You know. Uh, you know, backdoor, uh, you know, app store. And so Apple's like, oh, we should make money off of this. And they opened up the app store to everybody. And then one day I'm reading this article, right, you know, a few months after apps were launched. And this guy from uh, Sun Microsystems or Oracle, I'm not sure what they were called at the time. I don't know when they actually made the change. But uh, all of a sudden, like I saw this article where he made like a million dollars overnight creating this little tank launcher game, you know, this I, I, sh- I shoot game where you shoot tanks at each, you know, rockets at each other, like the, like the old school games. And uh, he did it like in a month while he was doing his full-time job. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. And, uh, you know, just the App Store gold rush, like, like you know, the dollar signs lit up in my eyes like anybody else's, I guess. But, uh, um, and so I, I immediately jumped in and still not, not knowing anything about programming, just grabbed books and stuff because I just wanted to build the apps. I just, I just wanted to do that. And so that was like in, I think like 2008 or something or, two, or yeah, late 2008, I think it was. And uh, so I just grabbed books and started... Uh, uh, figuring things out. Wow. So you were like really one of the very early people to start building iOS apps. Yeah. Yeah. From the, from the very beginning. And yeah, little, when, when things weren't as elegant and, and cool and hipster as they are nowadays, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were doing this in 2008 and getting apps in the app store, did you have any that were like really successful and had a tons of downloads or maybe even made, um, you know, great, good profit on? You know, I made a bunch of apps, you, you know, and they weren't wildly successful. I probably made like ten thousand dollars off uh, various various apps that I that I published at any given time. 
in in one particular case, uh, you know, I, I developed this app. It was called Make a Snowman. And the goal was just to have this incredibly perfect, like, maker app where you can drag, you know, little characters and icons and things and build little scenes and stuff and uh, put a lot of, like, love into it. And uh, anyway, I had it for, like, $1.99. Uh, and then, uh, like, a, a few months later, I made it, you know, for free with in-app purchases. And, of course, at the time, those websites that tracked the paid to free were really big. And so uh, they sent out an email and it got, like, 250,000 downloads, uh, which was really cool. Uh, really cool for me. Um, so I have a bunch of apps like where I wanted to make lots of money off the particular apps, uh, and that never happened uh, until I started rechanging my my thinking of of you know what it really is an app and and what does what does being successful with an app really mean. But uh, so yeah, no no one hit wonders, no no flappy birds, no you know no none of that kind of stuff, no tiny wings. Uh, you know I I rock it. It was uh, it was uh, lots of failures, lots of fun, but lots of failures. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it all happened. Yeah, and I mean, you were learning along the way, right? As you kept building all these new apps, I'm oh, sure yeah. you learned a ton, which obviously is very useful nowadays with everything you're doing and helping others learn. So that's really it's it's all really great. Uh, okay, so you, this was like 2008. You were building these apps um, on the for, for the App Store and iOS. Also, side note for you and for also the listeners, I am not a mobile app expert. I've never built a mobile app. I you have an iPhone and I use apps all the time, but I'm not familiar with like the process that goes into it. So I'm definitely going to be asking some more beginner level questions. And this this is super high level, but from the early days back in 2008 to today with iOS development in particular, what are some like huge things that have changed and stuff that maybe is just so different today than it was early on? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, in, in regards to the technology itself, to be honest, you know, um, not a lot. There's no extreme changes there. There's gradual changes in, in regards to technology. Obviously, we have new features uh, and things like that. But I will say the biggest change uh, or changes uh, surround the ecosystem itself, how apps are perceived, you know, how they were presented in the beginning. You know, in the very beginning, people would launch apps for $10, $20, $30. And, uh, you know, and now that smartphones, you know, are becoming more and more in people's lives, it's, it's, you know, they do everything on their phones, you know, and so because there's so much interaction, the prices have just, you know, driven down. And now, you know, the notion of, you know, if you have an app that's not a game, it's nearly impossible to put an upfront price on it if, if you plan on making money because everybody demands the ability to try things out before they buy. And so the whole, just the ecosystem itself, how apps are made, you know, you know, you don't, uh, if anyone was to tell me, hey, Mark, I want to build apps and try to get that one hit wonder and make millions of dollars, you know, I, I would tell, you know, I would give them a long speech, but I would tell them to re rethink your thinking because that's not how apps are successful these days. You know, that's, that's less than 1% of the apps that are out there. Uh, and, 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 you know, really apps, apps have to be treated completely different this way when, when you're launching something. There's a new audience. Times have changed. So those are where the biggest changes have come up, in my opinion. Yeah, that's all really interesting. And earlier, a bit before, you mentioned something with like uh, the success of an app or what defines the success of an app. Could you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. So you know, we at so at DevSoaps, we we have over two hundred thousand students now, and uh, you know, so I get lots of questions, and uh, they're like, "How do I make a successful app? I want to make a successful app." It's like, well, what does that even mean to you? Okay, because here, here's the deal. 
um, you got to think about the user first. And what does a user want? A user doesn't want to come into an app and tap ads. Like, that's what you want. You want to put ads and get a million people tapping your ads, but that's not what the user wants. Uh, a user wants a utility. A user wants ease of access, you know, easy things easy. And, and so what is it? what makes a successful app? Well, first, if you're thinking of your user, the user always comes first. What kind of experience do you want to deliver to them in the most perfect way? And then figure out a way, because your app is so good, to convince them to, you know, to, to, to give you the money, to, to spend money, or to do the actions that would generate the revenue. And so that might, that might not even be having in-app purchases, is, is my point. You may have a whole business, like you may have a, a, a software-as-a-service business where you do different things, but you made an app that is so useful for the product that people pay you maybe on your website or something else. Like, you know, well, my point is apps need to be treated like businesses nowadays uh, in order to be successful, which is whatever you define as success. But, you know, getting a million users, that doesn't mean anything if they won't stay in the app more than 30 seconds, right? And, and so, you know, we've in the past we've said, oh, downloads means success, money equals success. Well, there's so many things involved in there or, or maybe even just launching an app the success of your portfolio, building something that you know can help you get a job, it, it's it's really dependent. But what success is not, in my opinion, anymore is launching an app and hope that it gets 10 million downloads and makes 10 million dollars. You know, like that's that's like the lottery. It's it doesn't happen that much, and and it's not worth the risk uh, of you know of spending your time with that hope and then getting discouraged. So you know that's kind of what I mean when I talk about success. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you said about the utility for the user. As you were speaking, I was just thinking really quick about what app right now am I logging into every day? Am I finding a ton of value from? And it actually uh, has nothing to do with the app itself. It's more so the role it's playing in my life. And that's Mint. So I've gotten into a really big like personal finance kick lately. And I log into Mint all the time to look at like my daily spending and my transactions and everything. And um, that's I, I like moved it to my front screen, and that's how much yeah. I'm using it. So yeah, I really loved your take on that. Um, that it's really what it's bringing for the user. And I also loved what you said about how um, the number of downloads shouldn't determine the success of the app because if they're downloading it and just using it once and they never come back, you know, does that really make it successful? And that reminds me, uh, you you maybe know this, but there was a, a statistic that I heard not too long ago about. Uh, it's like some percentage of apps people download and actually only use once, and that's it. I think it was even more than like fifty percent. Yeah, that that that's right, and it's probably less than that. And, and another statistic is uh, users now are only downloading up to a maximum of one app per month, zero to one apps per month. Um, and so we really have to start thinking about you know how to make apps like a, a lifestyle. You know, maybe it makes more sense to integrate like something with Slack, things that people are already using. Uh, versus trying to get your app like out there, you know, you you have to you have to you have to make it a part of lifestyle. People aren't downloading apps every day. Like those days are gone. It's it's, it's gone. People want just like the mint, just like you explained. That's what people are looking for. Yeah, yeah. And I I in the first admit that I think most apps on my phone I use very rarely, and then just certain there's just certain ones I definitely log into every day. A few then probably multiple times a day. So yeah, it's all it's all very. Uh, Yes, interesting stuff. And I liked that stat too. And I can relate to that about downloading zero to one app per month on average. I feel like I can go through a kick where I back to the personal finance thing, I maybe downloaded like three personal finance apps in a day. But then (laughs) that was probably it for the month. And I'm usually not downloading new ones. In fact, I'm trying to get rid of ones that I don't use anymore. 
Yeah, and that's why the, the experience makes, right? That's why it matters so much, not even thinking about downloads. Like, what kind of experience can I give in the first five minutes? You know, so someone will download my app instead of Mint or whatever, you know? So that's exactly right. Awesome. Okay. So moving forward now with you and uh, your experience, at what point did you start teaching online? Yeah, so um, so going back to when I started learning, it, it was it was the worst experience ever, okay? Uh, learn 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 to code was not a thing, you know. Uh, in fact, if I even said the word code, I'm a coder back then. I, I would have been flogged for saying like inappropriate phrasing, you know. Like it's just you know, in 2007 during those times, like yeah, there were some books, right? But you know, they were written by computer science, you know, professionals. Like not very hands-on stuff, just very, very hard to read. And even my first job, right? I just uh, I remember engineers. I got my job, and you know. I, I don't know how I got it. I got it though. And all these guys had computer science degrees and they would make fun of me like when I didn't know stuff and, and like look down on me because I was self-taught. And so uh, it was it was insanely, insanely hard. And so my point is uh, I went through all of these things over these years and I learned what works and what doesn't work and, and all the pains that developers go through in the imposter syndrome. I know I've been there every step of the way. Uh, and it still happens today. You can go on Reddit for five minutes and, you know, come back crying, <laughs> you know. So uh, and so uh, with with my teaching, like I I just, you know, I started teaching in person and helping people out uh, and in boot camps, uh, uh, a boot camp. Um, and I just even then I felt like I could do so much better and really help people who are going through the same thing I went through, uh, you know, in, in a much more effective way. Uh, and that's how the whole idea of, of Dev Slopes and launching courses. And my first course I launched was on Udemy. Uh, that's how that all came to be. Do you remember what year that was when you launched your first course? Yeah, it was uh, my first course went live on Udemy in September of 2015. Um, and uh, over the course of a couple, well, really just less than 60 days, it became one of the top selling uh, iOS development courses on the Internet. Oh, wow. And what iOS version was that at the time? Yeah, that was iOS 9. Oh, okay. So iOS 9, your app back in 2015 became one of the top ones. That was your first course. Well, that's that's like a great confidence boost to have your first, to have your first course be a great success. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, it, you know, I had all these failures and, and it wasn't just app failures. I had, you know, I had consulting start, consulting businesses where we build apps for people and, you know, they made good money and stuff, but it was stressful and those businesses failed. And, you know, I even had apps on Good Morning America and, and like, I mean, I've been in apps and business, like, and they just kept failing and failing. And, you know, and I just think it's funny because it was like the app store gold rush. And then I think back to like the actual gold rush, uh, you know, like in 1849 and everybody lost money on that. Everybody except one group of people, which was the people who sold the tools, like, you know, the, the axes and the pans and all this stuff. And sure enough, you know, after all my failures and everything else, it was it was teaching how to build apps and how to do it the right way that actually was the thing that uh, that picked up. So was uh, I, you know, I was surprised, but like I almost kind of wasn't surprised because I just gone through all this this junk these last years. And like I just felt like I finally had a message to send and, uh, you know, and I had a lot of passion behind it. So I think that's why it uh, why it turned out. Sit tight, podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Zoja was a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for desktop, mobile, web, and Raspberry Pi. With Zojo, you really can write just one version of your app, say, on a Mac, click a button, and have a completely native Windows version too. Zojo lets you abstract yourself from specific platform details so you can focus on what makes your app unique. 
all apps have completely native controls, even if they weren't developed on that platform. Just use drag and drop to create your user interface in one language to program the functionality. Zojo is perfect for people who aren't programmers by trade, but who learn to program to make their jobs easier. Users also include Fortune 500 companies, commercial developers, IT developers, hobbyists, and students. Anyone who wants to build apps faster. Learn to Code With Me listeners get 20% off with the coupon code LEARN20. Try Zojo free at zojo.com forward slash learn to code. Full Stack Academy is a leading coding bootcamp that helps students become great software developers and get jobs at top tier companies. Full Stack's Advanced Software Engineering Immersive course gives you the skills you need to launch your dream career in tech. With a cutting edge curriculum and supportive educational environment, Fullstack has helped graduates get jobs at companies like Google, Amazon, and Facebook, along with many others. Fullstack Software Engineering Immersive is taught on campus in New York City and Chicago and is accessible from everywhere through Fullstack's Remote Immersive. Go to fullstackacademy.com to learn more. Fullstack Academy, making great people into great developers. Yeah, because there's a lot of time. Um, it's from the, when you first began learning, you said 2007 to 2015. That's like seven years. So you did a ton in between. And of course, you're one of the most popular instructors on Udemy. You now have DevSlopes, your own company that is um, producing courses. Did you have any teaching experience before that um, online or in the classroom? You know, I, I want to, when people ask me this question, I, I want to kind of give them hope that they can get into teaching and stuff. But I, it honestly, like teaching and, and just helping people like verbally and being able to communicate is, is just kind of one of my, my base skills, you know, being able to uh, effectively present information and, uh, you know, base, you know, there's two types of teachers. There's the teachers who teach because they know something, but then there's the teachers who teach for understanding, which is what you teach brings understanding to the person. And until that understanding is there, you're actually not an effective teacher. And so, you know, I just, I made a really big focus, focus on, on doing that. And, um, and, you know, I, I will say I so I did I did go out for two years of my life when I was uh, ages 19 to 21 and I served uh, an LDS mission. And so I was like knocking on people's doors for two years straight. And so, yeah, I've talked to like thousands of people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's you know, just it's just one of the things that um, that I do. And I still do that today in my company and training and stuff and helping people understand. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So you think that that experience maybe made you uh, a stronger communicator or it was all it was always something you were just naturally good at? Yeah, kind of natural. But, and I, I like teaching people, you know, some people don't like some people don't like teaching at all. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I have I've spent time on it. Nothing formal, though. Right. Just, you know, when people need help, you just you, you help them and uh, and you teach them. And, uh, you know, I, maybe it is maybe there is a gift to it. You know, I, I've worked with engineers the, the ones who looked down on me who, when I would ask for help, they just, they couldn't communicate an, a principle effectively. And so I'd be left frustrated. They'd be left frustrated, you know? And so there, there's definitely some rhyme and reason to teaching for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So jumping ahead just to your background and what you've been doing. So you began teaching in 2015. You had an iOS 9 course on Udemy. It was a massive hit right away. Uh, you have 57 courses now um, on Udemy, correct? Uh, no, that, I mean, that, was, that was how many mobile apps I built in the past. Um, oh, okay. Uh, 
Yeah, on, on Udemy, I, I think we have like, fifth, I think like uh, 15. Uh, and then with DevSlopes all together, I think we have like 45, uh, 45 courses um, uh, available. Okay, got it. So now you have 45 courses today. That's, wow, that's a ton. When I'm looking at your path, it you went into teaching online and then, which is very entrepreneurial in my opinion, um, you know, teaching courses for Udemy, but now of course you have your own company. What uh, gave you the idea to start that? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, um, I kind of, I kind of had a plan. So, um, I had this idea when I was teaching at the boot camp. you know, my, my classes were the most well attended, had the highest amount of students getting jobs. And, uh, you know, I, I approached this company I worked for the, the boot camp. you know, and I proposed doing this online thing. Uh, and I remember at one point the, uh, the CEO told me, he's like, well, I don't think there's a future in online education. And I just like, that was it for me. I was like, okay, <laughs> Well, I clearly don't, I don't agree with that for sure. Uh, and I, I personally don't think uh, boot camps are the future either. I think it's, you know, an intermediary thing from the, uh, you know, from the $100,000 computer science degree. Um, and uh, so I had this idea. It's like, well, what if I could take the things that I'm really good at, like take, uh, take a course that is so hands-on that it gets you where you want to be in the fastest amount of time possible, but, okay, with but while teaching the most important things, the things that uh, employers are going to look for, the things that matter the most, but throwing out the things that may not matter, you know, like I'm not going to teach a brand new person, you know, big O notation, or I'm not going to teach them how to make their own, you know, array uh, data structure from scratch because that doesn't get you to the zero to 60. We'll learn those things after. And, but then I also had this idea, it's like, but I want to do it my way, like the way I teach people, like, and I want to put it in a business plan. Uh, and my way of teaching is very, you'll you have to watch a course sometime, but it's very in your face, like YouTube style. We we make jokes, but like by the end of the course, you feel like you're family. You feel like we're best friends and, and, we, and we are, and we're chatting in the community and stuff. And so I had this idea, you know, very in your face, YouTube style, teach the way I want to do. I don't care what anybody else says. I, I've, I People have been telling me what to do forever. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it, which is a little fun, a little edgy, uh, a little more edgy than some people would like. Uh, and, uh, and and then, so I made a course around that. And it's like, if this works, I'm going to build a company around it and we're going to build, we're going to build what I think is the most effective way to teach people how to code. And so then I relaunched that course on Udemy and I, I just, I, I worked like crazy, worked like crazy to make that first month successful. And the first month it, it did, it made like $8,000, which was, you know, about this, the salary I was making at my job. So I quit my job. And, uh, and then I just went on, on faith and energy that we had something here. And then, I mean, it was just me. So, uh, me and myself that I had something here and, uh, and then I just pushed it forward, put the business plan, the company, uh, and as money kept coming in, I started reinvesting it and, and hiring the right people, which by the way, are all former students, uh, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of how it, that's how it kind of came to be. And it's just, it's gone it's gone down the path that I, I had hoped it would go down. Wow, that's so exciting. And I had no idea that you were working full time when you started DevSlopes or even when you were um, or even when you began teaching the Udemy courses. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I so I was teaching I was working full time, full time job, you know, 40 hours a week, whatever. Um, and uh, and then, uh, you know, I was teaching I, I was teaching at a boot camp, too. There's a lot of teaching going on. And I remember I wanted to create I needed to create this 40 hour course. And why 40 hours? Because, well, uh, the other big competitor on Udemy, whose course I was personally trying to, you know, to beat out, uh, like had that many hours. And so I remember 
uh, I would I would work like crazy. You know, I get off at 5 p.m. and then I would I would work and record and do all these things till like three in the morning, four in the morning, and then I get up at six because they get ready for work and go repeat the process. And so like in a month and a half, like I ran off of like two to three hours of sleep, uh, uh, and uh, got that first got that first course out. But I, you know, I've done this before, you know, having my own companies and, and, you know, anything short of crazy sacrifice, you know, doesn't yield the results you're looking for pretty much in every single case. And so I kind of had, I kind of had faith that it would, uh, it would, it would go if I, if I was committed to it like that, it would, it would go, but it was, it was an insane amount of work. So insane that, um, my, my wife, I asked her if she wouldn't mind taking all the kids to my mom's house, like, which was like six hours away. No, it was like 12 hours away. Uh, so I could just have the house alone to record because, you know, you have kids running around and things like that. And uh, and so they did. And they went up there and the AC broke. and It was 100 degrees out in the Mojave Desert in California where they were. And uh, it, just, it was a big sacrifice for everybody. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I kind of glossed over that. But it was uh, it was definitely a lot of work. Yeah, that definitely sounds sounds like it. But it's great that you got to um, I mean, you said quit your other job and now you're focusing like wholly on dev slopes, right? Yeah, that's right. We, uh, that's, that's, that's all we do every single day. We got eight people now, uh, which, which is super awesome. And again, they're, they're all former students with their various backgrounds and skills. And, uh, um, every day, this is, this is what we do, helping students, uh, helping them change lives, get jobs. Um, and it's very, it's very like super interactive, hands-on. Like we talk to our students and community members every single day. There's, we have chat rooms. We just, we're just completely injected in in learning to code and helping people helping people learn to code at a very personal level. So I'm interested. And you said before there's like two hundred thousand people on DevSlopes. Yeah, so we have two hundred thousand students um, between uh, Udemy and DevSlopes. Yeah. Okay, so on I think maybe I'm not super familiar with the community aspect on Udemy. So on DevSlopes. As far as managing a community of that size, and even if it's you know less than that on DevSlopes, regardless, how like how do you handle that? Because I have a Facebook group that has I believe like fourteen thousand people right now, and that's hard for me to handle. So yeah. I'm wondering how you can um, like what are some tips if you don't mind for managing so many learners? Yeah, so you know what was, what's interesting. So uh, I, I remember. In the beginning on Udemy, uh, you know, they they had to some discussion forums where you would post a question and people would demand an answer, and they would demand they would demand an answer because that's the way the format was. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And what about when I'm sleeping? You know, I'm like, what am I going to do? Uh, and so, like, right from the beginning, uh, I was like, I got to have a community. And so I created a, uh, a chat room on Discord, uh, and uh, it just grew. I mean, we've probably had oh, like a hundred thousand students in it at any given time uh, up to this point, uh, and. Uh, and it, it did, it started getting busy, right? And you'd have, you have the spammers and other people and, and people who needed help. Uh, and the first thing I tried was, you know, bringing on teacher's aides, people who, you know, had either completed courses and progressed and, and they would help out other students, right? But then what was still happening was it was still the notion of I posting an answer question and I demand an answer. Uh, and, you know, I'm like, that's not really community that we want to, that we want to promote. And so eventually I did away with all that. And I basically came out and just made it known that, you know, there is no help here. This is not a place where, where you can expect help. This is a place where you come to get help. You interact with their students, you network, you help them, they help you. Um, so it's a community now. It's a community where people are helping each other. And, and, and once I set that standard, you know what, the, the stress is mostly went away of people like demanding and being frustrated or people getting in arguments and stuff. 
because now they're like everyone is very community focused. And so like when someone comes in and starts trashing like dev slopes or a community, you know, sometimes people, people, some of the more old school computer science fellers out there, uh, you know, they're, they're still a little angry at this whole, you know, code movement. And, you know, they, they'll call me names. They'll say, you know, Mark Price and his team of programmers, you know, and, uh, you know, the stuff like that. And so when people come in the chat room like that, it's crazy because you know, like the, uh, the community is like, guys, DevSlope's changed my life. You need to knock it off. Like I have a job now because of DevSlope. So anything you say here doesn't matter. And so anyway, that kind of energy has now been like injected into the, into the community. Uh, and it's, it's now become like self, self-perpetuating. We have some mods who like make sure there's no, you know, swearing and things like that. And we ban people from time to time who do very bad things. But, uh, right, as of right now, it's, it's kind of managing itself because of that community aspect. Ah, that's awesome. So you, so like the moderators are former students or existing students yeah. that were like act really active or something. Yeah, for, we call them super fans. Uh, but the, yeah, former students who have just done gone on to do great and amazing things, uh, and because we're so you know we're so engaged with the community, like you can't if you go to a, like another corporation, like some of the one of the big learn to code schools out there that have millions of dollars or, or whatever, you know you're you're not you know let the, let's say they change your life, you have no way of, of giving back, right? You're done. You know there's there's nothing you can do. But at Dev Slopes, like. I just got a job. This is amazing. Well, now they're still learning. They're back with the community with the same people they were just interacting with before uh, they, you know, before they got that job. And so now they're super motivated to help people and change their lives. And like the education is, is perpetuating. It just people want to give back. And so all the time people come to us, hey, I want to be part of this. I want to be a moderate. I want to do anything I can to be a part of this. And uh, and then we do things for them. You know, if, if they help people out, we'll help. We'll help. We'll write recommendations on LinkedIn. You know, we'll we'll help them uh, as well too, uh, and uh, that's just kind of how it's worked. Nothing overly formal, um, but it's uh, been working so far. Nice. Well, I have to take some of those tips and apply it to my own. It's, I mean, it's it's quite different. It's it's serving a different purpose. It's not associated with courses or anything, but it's all really good advice. Thank you for sharing. And speaking of advice, uh, I'm sure you have a ton that you can give to beginners learning how to code. But what are some basic things that you could suggest to someone who's just starting out and just taking those first steps and teaching themselves? Uh, the first thing I get, this is the number one question, of course, we get asked. Uh, so uh, the first thing is, uh, number one, don't ever, ever, ever compare yourself to other developers. Uh, someone is always going to be better than you and someone is always going to be faster than you. Um, that's that's not what you need to focus on. Uh, you need to focus on, on you. Uh, and the reason for that is um, companies, uh, startups, people who hire, people who are willing to pay money for developers, uh, they're not looking for the absolute best developer in the world. They're looking for you. So if you focus on you, uh, that's the most important thing because if you focus on other people, you will, you will get uh, discouraged. Uh, number two is learn every day, but code every day. Too many students uh, spend too much time researching and watching, researching and watching, but never executing, you know. Uh, so you got you to gotta learn every day, whether that's reading tutorials or, or watching a video or, you know, studying programming reference guides. Um, but then you also have to do the hands-on thing. Until your fingers are touching the keyboard, uh, you, 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 haven't, um, you haven't really done anything, uh, in, in my opinion. And one more thing is number three is um, you've got you've to create a project. Okay, you've got to find something that that you can be passionate about. And, and if you don't have ideas, you you just pick a project. You pick, you pick something like on the App Store. I'm going to build an, an Uber clone or something like that. And what you do is, you know, you do your learning and coding, but then you also work on your project. And when you work on a project, you do whatever it takes to figure out how to solve the problem. That's how I learned. That's how that's how the the people learn the fastest is when they have a problem to solve and they need to figure out how to solve that particular problem. Because if you're just following a tutorial. 
it's only going to retain so much. So you, you got to find a project and be working on it throughout your learning process so you can solve problems on your own. And that's when the, that's when the things retain. So those are the top three things that I usually tell people. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you again, Mark, for coming on the show. Yeah, no, this is great. This is, this is, this is good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. I really loved everything you had to share. Uh, and finally, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you can, of course, uh, Email me at marketdevslopes.com. I'm super open for advice and things like that. But uh, devslopes.com, yeah, we have a, we've integrated intercom chat systems. And so you can actually get a hold of any one of our team members at any given time of the day. We try to be there 24-7, and you can literally chat with us uh, real time, and we'll help you out, point you in the right direction, career advice, where to get started, everything in between, just uh, devslopes.com. And uh, just uh, you can reach out there. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. The show notes for this episode can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this episode in the future, simply click the search icon in the upper navigation and type in Mark's name, which is Mark Price. If you liked what Mark had to say, you might want to check out Dev Slopes or his top selling Udemy course, iOS 11 and Swift 4 from beginner to paid professional. You can find DevSlopes at learntocodewith.me forward slash DevSlopes and his course at learntocodewith.me forward slash Udemy iOS 11. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of season four. I'll be back with another episode next week. See you then.